And we are back. And my name is Alyssa Fuchs. I'm here with Selena Hill and Stanley Fritz. And I'm about to give you the quickie. Uh, Today we're talking about Montgomery versus Louisiana, which is a case that was just heard in oral arguments by the Supreme Court that they'll be deciding on later on this term. Uh, I'm going to tell you about the facts of the case, the questions that were before the court, give you a little analysis, and then uh, close it out. So um, imagine that you are in prison for a crime that you committed when you were under 18, and that crime was a murder, and you were sentenced to mandatory life without parole. Um, And then in 2012, the court ruled that mandatory life without parole for juvenile uh, murder crimes was unconstitutional. Uh, What would your first reaction be? Uh, Well, it would probably be, hey, does that ruling apply to me? Because I want to get out of prison um, if that mandatory sentencing is unconstitutional. Uh, The problem was in 2012, when the Supreme Court decided this case, Miller versus Alabama, that held these sentencing schemes to be unconstitutional under the Eighth Amendment, they also held it did not apply retroactively. So it did not encompass those people that I just mentioned of. One of those people was a guy named Henry Montgomery. Uh, In 1963, Henry Montgomery was found guilty and received the death penalty for the murder of Charles Hunt. Uh, This was a crime that Montgomery committed when he was 17. Uh, His death sentence was overturned and he was eventually sentenced to life without parole. Um, And in light of the Miller decision back in 2012, Montgomery filed a motion in state district court to correct what he was arguing is an illegal sentence. Um, The trial court denied his motion, and the Louisiana Supreme Court denied his application. Also, uh, they held that the decision in Miller does not apply retroactively, which is exactly what the Supreme Court said in 2012. Uh, He then filed an appeal to the Supreme Court, um, and the Supreme Court decided that they were going to hear the case. Uh, They posed, there was one question that was initially posed, um, which, you know, is the question that I just mentioned, does the Miller decision apply retroactively? Um, At the heart of that question is the issue of whether several thousand of inmates who received life without parole sentences under mandatory sentencing schemes for murders they committed when they were under 18 can get out of prison or at least have an opportunity to get their sentence reduced. Um, But the second question that the Supreme Court also wanted answered was whether they had actually the jurisdiction to review this case because it had come from a state court instead of from a federal court. Um, And that's really a procedural issue, but I'm going to give you some background into that as well. Uh, So in 2012, as I already mentioned, the Supreme Court decided this Miller case. They declared unconstitutional uh, any mandatory sentencing scheme that says somebody automatically gets life in prison without parole for uh, those convicted of murder that they commit before they're 18. Um, And unless the Supreme Court says so, uh, a decision like Miller does not apply retroactively. uh, So it does not cover anybody who was convicted uh, before the date of the ruling, which was in 2012. Uh, The question of retroactivity goes back to another case uh, from the Supreme Court in 1989 known as Teague versus Lane. It's a really complicated and complex case. I'm not going to get into the details. Um, But basically what they said in Teague was that when the court announces a new criminal rule, it generally does not apply to earlier cases in which the conviction has become final after the first round of lower court review. But it does apply in two circumstances. First, if it's a substantive rule that limits the kind of conduct that can be treated as criminal or, and this is what's important here, limits the type of punishment that can be imposed. Or two, if it's a procedural rule, but one that goes to the base fairness of a criminal trial. that um, And that's part of what this fight is over. Uh, so the task before the Supreme Court now in Montgomery is to decide whether the Miller decision laid down a new substantive rule or a new procedural rule. If it's a substantive rule, it can um, and may apply retroactively. If it's a procedural rule, it would not apply retroactively unless it goes to the fairness of the trial, which, as I already mentioned, uh, does not apply in this case. Um, so Montgomery obviously argues that this rule is both new and 
and that it's substantive and therefore it applies retroactively. The state of Louisiana, on the other hand, argues that while Miller did set out a new rule, it is a procedural rule only and it does not go to the basic fairness of the criminal trial and therefore it does not apply retroactively. Um, Henry Montgomery's murder conviction actually became final in December of 1970 um, and his life without parole sentence was in fact mandatory under state law. So, um, you know, after the Miller decision came down, Montgomery, like many other people in this situation, uh, wanted to use Miller to undo their sentences. And when he went to the high court in Louisiana, um, they turned him down. And like I said, they said that Miller doesn't apply retroactively because it's procedural. Uh, Montgomery obviously appealed to the Supreme Court, and that's how we got to where we are today. Now, Louisiana, interestingly enough, conceded that the justices have the authority to review the issue, but they still urge the justices not to grant review. Obviously, we're talking about this case, which means the court did grant review. Um, But in doing so, the Supreme Court told the lawyers to file briefs and be prepared to argue the second question uh, about whether the court actually had the jurisdiction to review the case. Um, And because Louisiana actually agreed that the court had the authority to hear the case, the justices did something that's very rare. They appointed another attorney, an outside attorney, to actually argue this uh, issue of jurisdiction. This guy named Richard Bernstein, he's a Washington, D.C. lawyer. Uh, Bernstein told the court that, one, uh, it had no authority to decide the case because it came from a state court, uh, which has no binding obligation to follow the Teague rule, which is something I mentioned earlier. Um, And two, that under the Constitution, the court has limited power to review appeals that come out of state courts. Uh, But he did add that Montgomery has the option of refiling his case in federal court, uh, which would resolve this problem. That's just a procedural issue, but I thought it was important to address. Uh, Montgomery obviously argued that the Louisiana Supreme Court turned aside his challenge based largely on federal law and not on state law, and therefore the retroactivity analysis uh, coming from the Teague case should be applied because the fact that the state court actually used federal law in their decision. Uh, Montgomery also argued that the Miller decision established a minimum standard for all states in sentencing juveniles under both the Eighth and the 14th Amendment, which raises a federal question or an issue of federal law that the Supreme Court can address. Um, The key difference that you should understand between Montgomery and the state over the Miller decision is that Montgomery is arguing that this rule is categorical. It's substantive in its nature uh, because it limits a category of punishment, as I pointed out earlier. Um, And those is exactly the kind of factors that have led to the retroactive application of these types of decisions. But the state contends that the, the 2012 decision is procedural in nature only because the court did not categorically bar life without parole sentences for all minors. Rather, it only mandated that states take into uh, an individual's age into account as a mitigating factor uh, before it hands down a mandatory sentence. Uh, So the conclusion of all this is basically, first, the court needs to answer this procedural question. Um, in Montgomery's favor. If the court actually holds that it has no jurisdiction to hear this case, uh, then it will dismiss the case without ever answering the retroactivity question, and Montgomery will actually have to file a second case in federal court, or if there are already very similar cases pending in federal court, uh, we will have to just wait and see if the court wants to grant review to one of those cases instead of Montgomery's case um, that presents the issue more squarely and doesn't have the jurisdictional problems that this case does because it comes out of a state court. Um, Further, 
uh, notwithstanding the jurisdictional question, assuming that the court gets past the jurisdictional issue, uh, the outcome of this case is clearly very important, especially for people uh, you know, who are living in impacted neighborhoods uh, or have family members who are in prison for crimes that they were sentenced to uh, under mandatory sentencing schemes when they were juveniles. Because if the court does hold that Miller applies retroactively, it appears that it will allow uh, some inmates who committed murder and were sentenced under mandatory sentencing schemes to life in prison without the possibility of parole to actually seek review of their sentences um, and to ask courts to take into account their youth as a mitigating factor. Now, obviously, some of these people we're talking about are 50, 60, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old. Um, So what I say youth as a mitigating factor, I mean, they would ask for a hearing for a court to review their age at the time they committed the crime to determine whether their original sentence should have been less. Um, And if it is determined that their original sentence should have been less, meaning not life without parole, say, 30-year or 40-year sentence, and they've already served 20 or 30 or 40 years, then that may make them eligible for automatic release, uh, or assuming that after that hearing, the court does reduce their sentence, or may at least make them eligible for parole so that they can get released. So, you know, that is really a big deal because it would affect thousands of people all over the country uh, that may have been sentenced under these schemes that would want to seek hearings to try and get their sentences reduced. You guys have any questions? Um, <laughs> that was a lot of information. I'm pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that conclusion really brought it home for me, Alyssa. And I, I, like you said, we'll just have to see if, you know, I hate to say little Tyrone, who, you know, what? happened to be gangbanging at 13. Who's and got like- Right, and who's now doing life in prison little because Tyrone? somebody shot at him and he shot back. Okay, so this is what this case is going to decide. Right. And obviously, we will give you a follow up once the decision comes down, whether it's right. through a, a news roundup or through a, you know, depending on, you know, the ruling. But we'll definitely follow up with you once the ruling comes down uh, later on next year. And uh, we'll tell you what the outcome is. Right. I mean, so we'll, we'll keep seeing and um, I will pray for the best. And I hope that the Supreme Court does take up this case and doesn't dismiss it. All right, guys. On that note, we have to say goodbye. But guess what? We won't be back next Sunday because there's a fundraiser here at WHCR. So you're going to have to subscribe to our iTunes account at LYVBH Radio if you want more Let Your Voice Be Heard. You should do that on your phone because it's so convenient and easy. You can also check us out at ScatterRadio.com, Stitcher, and our website, LYVBH.com. We love you all and thanks for hanging out with us. Let me one time. Let me one time. Uh, Only take one time. Only take one.